0: Hi, I'm Sam Simon, and I'm the grandpa, and I always think deep.
1: Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep?
0: Hey, Emily, welcome back. Sophomore year is over. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's halfway through college. Oh God, don't remind me. Oy baby. Well, I thought we talked about summers in college. Nineteen Already. Compare sort of the nineteen sixty-three to sixty seven to what are your years? Twenty twenty two to twenty
1: three summers. No, Those been my summers in college so far.
0: Twenty four. Yeah, twenty so twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, twenty four, twenty five will be your last, right? By 25, I'm going to have to find a job. (laughs) Figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life.
1: We don't have to worry about that, yeah. Right now it's (laughs) the summer, so...
0: So I asked you what you had done last summer.
1: Last summer I worked at day camp at the temple. It was great.
0: I think I worked my first summer, too. What did you do? I probably worked at Al's Shop for Men, sold men's clothing at the store which was in South El Paso. Like fancy clothes or like... It's an array of clothes. It's, It's... the suit department, which would you consider fancy, was upstairs. Oh. In all the men's, whatever you call it. All the other clothes. Casual clothing and handkerchiefs and wallets and whatever. Of course, the interesting thing is that most of the clients were Mexican-Americans, mm. often a lot from Juarez, and I didn't speak much Spanish. In fact, But I, they hired you? Well, it was Al Weiss. Al's shop for men and... Knew us from our temple and knew his family. I think his son even dated my little sister for a (laughs) while. So I learned how to sell clothes in Spanish.
1: So, like, you know, all the words for all the clothes and stuff in Spanish, but like not other words.
0: Well, you know what? My observation was when you have to do something, you can figure it out. Then I was doing it just for grades, and it was sort of theoretical, it was academic. It was hard for me, but when I had to figure out the basic language...
1: So you could actually do something.
0: And I needed to do it to be successful.
1: So you wouldn't get fired.
0: Yeah, or do the job, right? Right. And it was really funny. Of course, in El Paso, it was really called Tex-Mex. Right. It was a combination of English and Spanish.
1: Spanglish.
0: Spanglish. I still have this memory. I forget the guy's name. He was one of the top salesmen and we we became sort of friendly he you know he was older than i was but he was we got along and the spanish word for size is tamaño tamaño so if you want to ask a client what size do you need mm-hmm. he would say qué tamaño uso usted what size do you use mm-hmm. he would always say qué size uso usted there's no such word <laughs> siza. <laughs> but oh, gosh so what are you going to do this summer
1: well, this summer I'm interning for an organization called Ayuda, which is they are a nonprofit in the D.C. area that helps low-income immigrants get social, language, and legal services at, like, free or very little cost. They're a really awesome organization. Funnily enough, they also, in most positions that they hired, they were looking for people who speak Spanish.
0: Sure. And I also don't speak Spanish. Yes, sir. Something we have in common. Something
1: we have in common. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the development side of things. We're doing fundraising where you don't actually really need to know a lot of Spanish for it because most of the people who you're talking to. Well,
0: you're talking to uh, every. You're talking to the whole world.
1: Anyone, please give us money. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, no, but uh, if you have to donate. You can always feel free to check out our website and send a donation.
0: What is a website?
1: The website, I don't even know. Just Google IUTA, Washington, D.C., and it will come up.
0: Well, you no, know, you see, you're very fast. One of the things I've learned. So grandpa's now gonna go Google because we have a because people probably don't even know how to spell it.
1: A Y U D A.
0: A Y U D A. Ayuda. A Y U D A Transforming yeah. exactly. Lives. So it's A Y U D A dot C O M. Yep, Ayuda on.
1: They got a good handle, I have to say.
0: I'm gonna try to guess. Do you know what the word means? It means help. In my Spanish. Life? There you go. All right. I was I was gonna confirm. Yes, it does. So you um, speak a little yeah. Spanish.
1: So the most of the clients they serve speak Spanish, like 90%. They do serve people who speak any language, but most happen to speak Spanish.
0: They're second or multilingual Spanish.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it's also been an interesting experience. I'm also, my other job is working at Lazy Mike's, which is a diner. And funnily enough, it's, we also know the owners from the temple. <laughs> sort of like, all the parallels. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: You know, but a couple of quick things on that. First of all, I think it's, Great to be helping an, an organization like that. You know, you'll get a part of the culture. And doing fundraising, you know, the idea of who are the most important people in companies, for example. And it's often not thought this way is salespeople. You know, even law firms or even, a, you know, a company, a corporation, an entity, if you can't sell the product you're serving, all the rest doesn't matter. Right and you know, even in law firms, you like you want these great lawyers, yet the people who know not, how to market and right. uh, and, and build you're not
1: getting clients, it doesn't matter how good your lawyers are. Right. People yeah. don't know how good your lawyers are.
0: Right? And for nonprofits, if you can't communicate your message in a way that encourages people to give and sustain the organization, are you gonna be into research for grants or drafting various kinds of fundraising or event space or you know yet.
1: We're not doing grants. Oddly enough, Iuta is, they have their development team separate from their grants people who do that stuff. So, yeah, it's slightly different, which is a little funky because most organizations that's the same thing. So, we're not doing grants, but we're doing other forms of development.
0: For example?
1: For example, so that's everything. That's like monthly donors, one-time donors, organizing so, events.
0: So, so, you do some event organizing.
1: We organize events. We also take in-kind donations as well. Oh. So... Yeah, but all that, anything else you can think of. Yeah, so all that stuff.
0: It's gonna be a great experience.
1: Really, it's been a great experience so far. I've certainly learned a lot.
0: Selling men's clothing turned out to be later on more important than I thought it might really? turn. How so? Well learning how to sell. So and well, how do you convince somebody to buy something? And I think it was an early lesson. You had to try to make them feel that what you had is what they wanted.
1: So that requires listening to what they want. And then tailoring your pitch to make it what they want to see.
0: Later in life, I did some fundraising. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I was a senior fellow for this nonprofit in New York, mm-hmm. Intersections, I was their interim development person. Okay. While uh, they were hiring a full time, could not hire a full time one, and I worked with some professional fundraisers and had study. I've been done some of it, and the the deepest lesson that I learned is for the person understand that what you had is something that they needed and wanted.
1: What's the outcome of this going to be and is it going to be something that's good for
0: you? No, it's not that. So I, let me see if I'm trying to formulate. So I did a little practice for the team. So I'm I, pretend I'm a donor. Okay. Try to pitch me on your in your product. A potential donor. Your potential. Yeah, I'm a potential
1: yeah. oh, donor. So IOTA is an organization based in the D.C. area that helps low-income immigrants access services that they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford. So that's language access services, so both translation and English classes. We actually provide language access services for 99 nonprofits in the D.C. area who rely on our services to be able to do what they need to do to serve clients who speak all different kinds of languages. So that we do that. We do legal services. So a lot of the times people... Come to this country and then they have a court date that they have to be at if they want to continue to stay in the country legally and get like a real legal visa and oftentimes people don't fully know what that means they don't understand what it is that is required of them they don't know that they have a right to a lawyer or they don't have a very good lawyer so we help get them connected to a lawyer make sure they know where they need to be
0: okay so this is really good i didn't fully prep the question for you but let me stop it and respond to it so Let's suppose you're a donor and you stop by. I want to make the pitch. My pitch might start this way. Well, thanks for coming by. What interests you the most about our work?
1: So this it, is assuming that people have heard of the
0: organization. Even know. if they've heard of it, he's there or she's there because they've heard of it. What part of it really speaks to you? What is your interest? In other words, rather than telling them about what we do, the most effective fundraising technique, is finding out from the potential donors, and that can be done through research for just you know broad scale. Mm-hmm. What do they care about most? And then, wait, let me tell you what we're doing. that just fits that perfectly. Yeah, because what you just did is what even when I you know with the much more senior and older staff. So that, here's my gift to you today. Best fundraising technique is find out why people care. What is their interest so that you can shape. You're not going to change your work for them, but your right. work is going to fit they, one of their... They do
1: a lot of things, so you can, like, emphasize a lot of the different aspects of the
0: work that's And how they're going to achieve one of their goals, which will be to give money, maybe, a, well, I had an experience with a friend of mine, or I had a relative who went through this, or I, you know, in my, I grew up with somebody. They may even have a personal connection because if they're thinking, now that means you've gotten in a qualified prospect. You know, right. Fundraising is how do you get the prospect. Right. You're getting the people into another you know, thing. thing. But if you do and you can understand what is it that they interest them and why, then you can shape your messages and techniques. And, oh, well, we have somebody who just went through that. They're in this program. Can I arrange for you a chance to meet that person? And hear yeah, how I'm important. Our work has been to them. I mean, working in that area can be really useful for life later on. Not only do you do good work or an important organization I think for you you know it's interesting I hadn't thought our conversation on COVID necessarily but these early jobs that we get you know are big learning times for us because we're at that age haven't done a whole lot of it
1: right 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 I mean, I'm sure you can learn stuff from jobs at any age
0: yeah I after my sophomore year yeah your grandma and I had already met mm-hmm. we were really into each other But she was going to have to go home for the summer. That's because her mom wasn't well. And I didn't want to spend a whole summer without my girlfriend. So I went to spend the summer in Houston. I was going to go to summer school to take some courses. And I was going to work selling clothes because Mm -hmm. it turns out, your grandmother's father and uncle, both were in the clothing business. Mm -hmm. So Bond's. Men's clothing store. It's called Bonds. They're not around anymore. I had a big department store in downtown Houston and I would sell clothing, men's clothing, you know, had summer employees take vacation mm-hmm. and the like. So I was, so I did you know, did more men's clothing and also went part time to school in Houston. And it was spending uh, probably my first time away from living away from home ah. for a whole summer. So it was really good. So
1: you like that experience?
0: Well, because I was with your grandma.
1: Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh
0: no. We, we, you know, because the next summer we got married. Wow. Yeah. We,
1: it's interesting to go back to what you said about your sophomore summer and moving away. It's interesting because this is my sophomore summer, to see like which of my friends are like Kind of moved out, like mentally. Like, because some of my friends still like call like where they're from. Like, oh, I'm going home. Like, they're they're excited to see their families again and go back to their hometowns. So other people are like they refer to it, it as like my parents' house or my childhood home, and they're living at school for the summer and they're doing research or whatever, and they're doing that, and they're like not they don't really ever plan on like living at home for a long stretch of time again. So it's just interesting to see like somebody like who's forging their own path and like really becoming independent and not living at their parents' house anymore and who's still like living at, at home. And it's just kind of it's an interesting place to be because definitely there's definitely some people who are doing that, some people who aren't. So it's just it's it's been really interesting to see that.
0: Yeah, well, it's a new, you know, they're transitional and important years. Any I like to think good things. Obviously bad things can always happen, but any good a lot of good things. I was we talking about it just, you know, I went to law school and then my first job uh, was with Ralph Nader. And that shaped the rest of my life, that one year. Mm-hmm. Because of the relationships you make, the people you meet, the things you do, set agenda. Now, I don't know that this internship will lead to all that, but you may make some important friends, whether within that organization or because you're in the fundraising area and learn some things about that good fundraisers are worth their weight (laughs) in
1: gold oh yeah so you said you worked in the men's clothing department and i feel like definitely today there's a lot of pressure for college students to do something that's in their field or that's super relevant to what they're going to be doing because you need to have that resume that looks really good and have those years of experience before you even graduate college and there's like a lot of pressure to like get some sort of position within the field but you said you worked in men's clothing and you said that that provided you with like super useful skills that you were able to use in your chosen field. To what extent do you think that that pressure is warranted or not warranted? What, what, what are your
0: thoughts on that? Well, of course, like everything, it's yes. <laughs> it's all right at a level.
1: Okay, uh, go on.
0: So we're all unique people. Mm-hmm. And so what are the lessons we need to learn? Well, that depends on us. Hmm. And so selling and being in, the relationship with somebody and serving them did turn out to be a valuable lesson. There's a lot to be learned from, can be from any job. I don't know if I saw them at the time.
1: Right. Like uh, you didn't think of it. Do you think of it as that sort of valuable experience at the time where you're like, I just need a job?
0: <laughs> I need a job and then you get into it and I want to be successful. I want to sell. we we're, mm-hmm. were a bit salary, but also commission. So, you know, I focused on doing the job while I was in school. Well, we're in the summer. In summer school, it reminds me, so during, I'm trying to remember which summer this was. So again, this, I guess this summer when we got married, I I spent the first part of it in basic military training, basic training. Mm -hmm. And then I guess I went back to Houston for a little while. I think so. I might be off. And I was selling it at a different store, a men's shoe store.
1: Ah, It's very
0: different from clothes. It's selling, you know, helping people find what they want, not telling them what they want. Same idea, by the way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the head of this store try to persuade me not to go to law school. (laughs) Oh. He wanted me to stay and sell shoes and get into the shoe business. Yeah, you were that good. Well, I didn't think so. I was surprised. (laughs) His argument, which I still remember, you know, sixty years later, is he was making the argument about the value of the salesperson, that the most important person in a business and in life are people who can sell things well and do it well. You can get into your own business. You can, you know, make a good right. living. And there's a lot to be said about that. It's easy to disdain that, which is a mistake. You want to be the person doing the work what's the work you know maybe teaching the language to the right 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 or being the lawyer for the person and yet the organization itself can't even do any of that if, if you don't development know. side of that
1: money right
0: that you're doing in development is to do it, sales.
1: right you're educating people about what we do
0: but to do that well you have to understand it as well as the lawyer. In fact, you have to have the broader and deeper. Yeah,
1: that's definitely, that's one of the cool things about being in development is that I, I'm not just learning about what goes on in my department, but learning about what happens in the whole organization, which is a really cool way to learn about a non and how it
0: works. And to really do a good job in development, you need to understand the purpose that is the, the, the different overarching mission. Well, not only that, the difference it makes. I, I've learned you move away from the theoretical to what actually happens. Finding these success stories, the life story of someone that because a unit was there for them when they needed it most, they might have five of their relatives were able to come, they got a job here, they become successful, whatever. Yes. The answer is, or they had a agencies and they were able to figure out how to get health care and then have a productive life. It's the productive life and how it was made
1: not a productive, but also a meaningful and fulfilling lives. Because so many people with immigrants, are yeah. like, oh, we can try the immigrants to fill up this hole in the economy that we don't have a lot of workers for this. Like, people are people who have aspirations and their own goals and their own talents and skills and strengths. And isn't, we're not just there to fill a hole that we might have in the economy. <laughs> and okay. that's really
0: important to remember. And, you know, you may end up running into the legal types. Say, well, that's interesting work, too. So you're all imp- right. you know, from your side. And well, dad's a lawyer. Grandpa was a lawyer. Maybe I should be a lawyer. Or maybe, maybe there are. are, You guys have it. Bring in any faith communities.
1: Oh yeah, we work with them all the time. We like because we make packages. We make like sanitation packages. We make food packages. Yeah, we have like volunteers who do like organization. Yeah, so we partner with them to like do like those bagging
0: type of things. Maybe I end up finding a a rabbi who works with you guys in the the religious action center. Grandpa's now pitching his U.S. professional theme for his granddaughter. It's good. And and in some ways you can be in a position where you may not need to do it for money. And yes, you want to earn money and have as a you know, twenty year old your own sort of mad money and don't have to depend on anybody else for, you know, allowance money anymore. So that can be important, but it isn't the primary purpose of the summers, you're in the process of learning and experiencing. You know, I I could also be away from home too. A lot of people like just part of aging out of those years and learning your own independence. No, just the summers are a great time to, you know, to spread the wings and learn and try different things. You know, my law school summers were different. We were already married and it was more about see, when you're in professional school it can be more about what's your job gonna be and right, right, what, right. What training and what's the field. But you know, even in school, if you had an interest in aerospace or curating art or had those interests, well getting interns at ships to test out those interests would be good. I suspect you could have probably gotten some stuff in the ledge. You already did a legislature. I did, yeah. Or a page or an intern. I was an intern, yeah. Intern, yeah. I was at a time where I don't think I knew clearly what I wanted. We were in a different era. My parents, your great-grandparents, were, you know, the Depression era. Mm -hmm. Their thought was, get some sort of government job or, you know, you have a great-uncle who was a two-star general. That would have been my brother-in-law. So my point being... When I was growing up, it was about security.
1: Right, right. Not about just what you do, but just that what you do is
0: secure. Secure in the, the event of, that
1: it pays enough and pays well, and it's very
0: and yeah, you have a life, and and you won't be faced with the possibility that even if there's another big depression or recession, the economy is so uncertain.
1: But your job won't be
0: right. And how do you, with safety, security, security? Yeah, that that's a different era. Is that a thing that you? Here feel like in college among your... cohort. Well,
1: it's interesting. Hmm. I mean, I think it's not a huge concern about people of my generation. Yeah. That's definitely... It's hard to characterize every person is different and every family is different. And it's hard to make broad generalizations about that. Definitely, there are people who want to get jobs that make lots of money, absolutely. There are also people who are really, really passionate about what they do. There are people who want both. And no one wants job insecurity. I mean... Everyone wants to have a secure, stable job. Well, let me ask you about
0: that, because it's my understanding that that may not be true anymore. The gig economy.
1: Uh, No one wants to be a gig worker. What do you want want to do when you grow up? Oh, yeah, I want to work three different jobs and struggle to get by, said no one ever. Right? No one (laughs) wants to be a gig worker. People want to have a good job when people want to be able to make enough money with the one
0: job. People don't want to have to do that. Now, are you projecting that or are you actually hearing that?
1: No, I don't think I'm projecting that. I've never heard anyone say I want to have to work multiple
0: jobs to get by. That's interesting because I had the impression that at least one of the generations, now you're, what is your generation called? Gen Z. And what's the one? Of, millennial. Millennial. That the millennials like not having to work one place and they move around no, a lot.
1: Generally, no, not by choice. It's because people feel like they have to do that to get by. People want to have steady employment and... Yeah, no one wants to be job insecure. That sucks.
0: It's interesting. I had the impression that increasingly people like to be independent. Oh, people mm-hmm. like to
1: work from home. I think you're conflating having multiple jobs working from home. No. People like to have the flexibility of working from home.
0: No, that's. A, I'm, I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm thinking about, I've got a, the ethic of, I've got a talent, and if you want it, you can hire me, but I want to be able to sell to whoever I want I want to be able to move where I want. I want in and out of it, you could get that from some single company or single position, but I,
1: am okay. being in... self-employed. is also different. Like being like an independent contractor is very different from being a gig worker.
0: Ah, in what way?
1: Gig jobs are generally very low skill and low pay. Huh. Think of gig workers as being like people who pick up electric scooters and charge them at their houses overnight. That's a gig job. Gig worker is
0: like. Somebody pays for that.
1: Yeah, that's a job. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to get paid for it. But yeah, but it's not like the company hires a full-time worker whose job it is to go around the city and pick them up and take them back to a facility. That's another thing is that people feel like companies are just being cheap, right? Because they could, like these scooter companies could actually pay someone whose full-time job it is to go around and pick up scooters and take them to a company-owned facility to charge them. Instead, they have gig workers pick up the scooters, take them back to their own homes and charge it using their own electricity. And they get paid for it a little bit.
0: That's interesting because I... I've thought of gig workers as you could be a writer. I I know a lot of writers who get their resume out there, and you know maybe a magazine could use some things. Or well,
1: that's freelance.
0: That can be. It's always been
1: around, right? right? That's a gig. No gig work. That's not. I think you're conflating freelance workers with gig workers. Freelance workers are skilled. That's the difference. A freelance worker has a.
0: Never heard gig is being equivalent to an unskilled job. If it is, if that's how it's seen today. Yeah. Well,
1: I think it's actually interesting that there's two different perceptions of these concepts. They generally thought of gig as like being like a Uber driver or like a Postmates delivery person or Grubhub delivery person. Like jobs where you're not have set hours, you get to choose your hours. Jobs where you choose a number of customers. And it's like build as, as marketed as being flexible, but people really see it as I'd really just rather have the one job and have it pay really well and I'm part of a union than having to work multiple jobs, I have my real job. And then on the side, I pick up scooters or I am an Uber driver or I deliver food because I don't make enough at my real job. Well,
0: I'm, I guess I'm sort of thinking I think writing is people... Are, freelance worker is
1: totally different.
0: Yeah, well, but it's like gig in the sense of it, yes. it is per assignment, if you will, per job. and it's, But the
1: difference between, okay, the difference between freelance workers and gig workers, gig worker, there is a big company and they're taking a share of whatever you make. The scooter example is a bad one, but, like, when it comes to the food delivery or to the Uber, like, you're working for this big corporation, they're taking a cut of the money that you make. Whereas as freelance, you're not working for some big corporation, you're just your own person. And you make money, you keep all the money you make, except for taxes. Mm. It's a very different arrangement.
0: I've learned something. Yeah. Uh, that's
1: Freelance is totally different, because you're in charge of you instead of working for a corporation.
0: Well, but no, but gig could be for anybody. In other words... Why isn't, you know, I see guys have Uber and Lyft and, you know, there's part-time in contract work, but I guess I'm thinking even in the professional arena.
1: Well, contract work is different. There are different laws that govern contract workers, and companies like Uber and like Grubhub have done a lot of work to fight to not have their, right. wait, uh, no, to, I can't remember if they're fighting to keep their workers as contractors or to list them as actual employees of the company.
0: They're fighting to keep them as contractors. Ah, uh, because if they are employees, there are some taxes they have to pay, with all their benefits, they might have to give all workers. Whereas a contract employee they don't have to give them any right. benefits. But there are people around who will say, "I want to be able to take my talent and, and sell it to whoever I want to when I want to, and give me the flexibility." Now that could work in very. You know,
1: I'm sure there are people who want to do that.
0: Yeah, and that's what I thought was a general gig, and uh, I didn't think of gig and well. I mean, they're then they Uber, but they work for one company. They they get to choose it. That's not I didn't consider that a gig.
1: A lot of people yeah. do think of it as a gig. I mean,
0: well, see the generations are changing. Yeah. But in your generation, you see that people are looking to be hired by a company, a corporation, large ones usually. Or is there any thought about doing their own thing or creating their own company? Any entrepreneurs uh-huh. around?
1: Oh yeah, there's entrepreneurs everywhere. I absolutely, I only know so many people. I mean, uh, a lot of people are still figuring out even what they like studying, what they like doing. It's still a lot of just figuring out what we like.
0: Don't want to grow up too fast. No,
1: that's not. Not growing up too fast. It's figuring out. It's still just taking time in college to take different classes, try out different jobs and internships, and see what you like and see what you don't. That's
0: good. That is good.
1: I have some friends who like know, like I want to be a doctor. It's the doctors and the nurses. They always know what they want to do (laughs) from the outset. Whatever it is about them, they just know. Oh. And I'm like, good for you guys.
0: <laughs> I, I sort of always thought I'd be a lawyer, political science, politics, I always. we, we were talking. There's about
1: a lot science. of work within that field. There's a lot yeah. of different things you could do. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people like this, like at least summer our sophomore year, people like, no, generally what field they want, but they're not exactly sure what position they would want to take within that field yeah, but, or yeah. what that would look like, what that arrangement would look like yeah. for them. Yeah. And I think people also don't want to marry themselves to the idea of one profession too much. Maybe this is where you got this idea about the gig workers because the economy is changing so fast. Everything is changing so fast. The types of jobs that are available are changing so fast that people know that like the job market and what things look like are going to change drastically while we're in the workforce. So don't marry yourself to the idea of I'm definitely going to do this one right. thing for forever because what the work looks like is changing and people know that and they're like, my job's probably going to change a lot. And Well, that whether the job or the position or like life is crazy and takes you all kinds of crazy places. So I think people are trying to stay pretty open about what there is because everything's changing all the time.
0: But you're in a pivotal summer because next year, don't you have to declare a major?
1: Oh, I have to declare a major by the end of sophomore year. So now, yes, I'm a political science major. And they have a program called a four plus one where you take some grad level classes during your undergrad years. They can count towards both your grad degree and your undergraduate degree. So I would do that. I'd graduate in the regular four-year time period for my bachelor's degree. Take the graduate-level classes, cancel grad. And then you have one year when you just take grad-level classes, and then you can graduate with your master's degree one year after getting your bachelor's. Oh, wow. so I want to do that, uh, master's of public administration. Because they have that program where you take political science as undergrad, MPA for grad. Yeah.
0: So who do you want to be the boss of? Public administrations are the bosses, right? They administer things.
1: There are pretty low-level administrators, I'm and I'm sure I will discover that when I'm searching for jobs, How just how low of a level administrators can be.
0: <laughs> oh, I guess there's a finance part of administration, too. Oh, there's
1: all kinds of aspects.
0: Of but management, dealing with people, that's the hardest thing to do in jobs, right? Managing people. Fun.
1: I'd rather, I want to talk to people during the day. I don't want to just sit in front of a computer all day. I don't. I want to talk to people at least some of the
0: time. But managing, job. managing people,
1: managing people. I've never done it, so I wouldn't know. Actually, I should have did as a head counselor at summer camp.
0: Yeah. No. Well, listen. Some people are good at it, and some people aren't. I got better at it. I was I used to be called a really terrible boss. You know, uh, this could be a whole separate. Oh boy. Group. So, but most of my career, I worked for myself. I was the boss. Yeah. Because a really terrible employee. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I always said, I always wanted to go my own way." At any anyway, rate, I don't know if we've helped anybody out there figuring out what they want to do and how their summer should be and what it's summer is like. But you know, certainly in college and for students, summer is different. Still summer. <laughs> Still so yeah. Well, no, with me,
1: that's any different from a lot of summers with me and my friends. Well, no, it's just. It,
0: you know, when you get in out of school, summers are just summers. They're not a change in how life unfolds because, you know... You're
1: going to go back to school,
0: right? Well, School is sort of like the full-time job in theory or occupier of time. Yes. In the summer, is a good opportunity to learn, do things differently and yeah. explore. So,
1: And that hasn't changed.
0: That hasn't changed. And hopefully, you'll have a great summer. Grandpa's in the Fringe Festival writing on his play and totally absorbed by that but that's good and yeah, you know, maybe learning a little bit of everything and doing radically different from lawyer to actor who knows
1: so you said you're talking about like doing like what's right for you and like getting whatever job is like right for you at the time like how do you know what's right for you at the time
0: well I think it's a what you feel it's an instinct and Did
1: you know that like the job like was right for you at the time
0: You knew, or I know it's something I tend to do. I wanted to do. It's part of, I was talking about this in another context today, but I I remember when I was 14 years old, and so I'm in high school, Mm -hmm. and the city council of El Paso, Texas, has implemented a curfew. Anybody under 17 has to be in by 11. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there watching them enforce it like crazy in South El Paso on the Chicanos or Mexican Americans. They don't come and look at us up in our upper middle class neighborhoods. I went down and it it made me mad. Why did it make me mad? I don't know why what's in me that has this it's like the the outrage gene, right? When I see something that when I see an injustice, it triggers me to be active and do something and act about it. And that's became the rest of my life. I followed that. You know, working for Ralph Nader is a form of that. Working for causes to try to cause change and represent, you know, are you for justice? It could be political. Your dad, in part, is political because I think he's inherited part of that gene. And so following your energy, if you will, and opportunities in summer are good times to be able to, you know, what is it I really care about? Now, you can be curious as well. That doesn't mean you know for sure, but it's yeah. an emotion. In other words, it's how I reacted to something. Interesting. And so, how do you react to what is? It? Yeah. And you know, I think everybody has different reactions, and you know, I think it takes some courage or foolishness to follow them. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it smart for this fourteen-year-old kid? Now, how did I do it? I researched. I think it was Nelson Rockefeller, the governor of New York, said he thought curfews were unconstitutional. I had a paper by him I had in my hand. Know what the city council said to this 14-year-old boy? What? Wait till you have teenage kids, you'll support curfews. So they talked down to me. But it didn't stop me. And it's still my image. It's what I mean. You know, can you feel a passion when you do something that speaks to you, that you want to do it? And I like to say let it find you. And that means being open to it. Not Yeah, absolutely. Not being so in control. And that control and trying to like going down one path is often because somebody's told you that's what you should do. Right. And so the summers are good to go try different things out too. And sometimes we're driven by economics. Certainly by the I second summer and knowing I was gonna get married and our parents expected us as sophomores in college. By the time we got married, your grandma graduated early and she had a job teaching, but we were going to have to make her own way. So that becomes a factor in how you choose what you do in the necessity. But it's a privilege to be able to follow your passion. Absolutely. So anyway, find your passion. Find your passion. find your all passion. All right. Thank you
1: all right. for listening.
0: We'll see you next time.